Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Uh, Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. If this is your first time here, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the church, and we did have a wonderful time last week. Wow. That was uh, 21st birthday, and uh, man, it was just uh, really wonderful. Hey, um, update on the recovery situation and all. If you still want to be involved, again, you can talk to Christy, and she will uh, point you in the right, way, uh, the right way. Christy is our Vine Kids director, and uh, she can help you get in touch with Impact and also the VOAD, the group, and also our sister church up in North Myrtle Beach in Little River. Uh, Renovation Vineyard Church is kind of the epicenter for the recovery and rebuild issue uh, situation up there. And so George Wilson, the pastor, he needs help. If any of you guys want to get connected with George, go up there. I mean, they've got, they turned their whole sanctuary, their auditorium into a warehouse. And so there's food stacked up. Uh, They have tents outside, showers for youth teams, different people that can come in and help do the rebuilding. I know George told me last week that uh, I think there's 3,000 people up in that area that are going to need to be mudded out and rebuilt again and all. And so if you, if you want to be involved also there, let me know or just go to Renovation Vineyard Church, their Facebook page or whatever. Or I can give you phone numbers to contact people and you can get involved there as well because they're, uh, like I said, their whole building is filled with food, supplies. They're, they're really getting it done. They're doing a great job up there. And... Um, So that's the update on that, and uh, hey, we're bringing our series to a close today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of Love Does. This has been a series based on Bob Goff's book, Love Does, as well as his study guide, and uh, Bob's a hoot. If you don't know who he is, you should should check him out, and uh, Bob's a great guy, and uh, I've had a lot of a lot of fun with it, and you know, Love Does, and that is that, you know, it's really nice to hear that someone, even God, loves you, but isn't it awesome when you see it in action? Isn't it? I mean, it's nice when somebody tells you that, right? I mean, it's, what if they go, I love you, and then they walk off and you never see them for another six months, you know, and nothing, there's, there's no husbands not saying anything to us, but, um, um, you know, then you just, I mean, it's nice when we hear the words, but it's also nice when we see it in action, isn't it? And honestly, that tangible part of love as it comes out is what we've been looking at and wanting to be join God in doing that. So we're going to bring it to a close today. Uh, the title is Follow Me. We're going to be over in Matthew 4. In your handout, if you flip your handout over, the scripture's there. There's a fill-in as well. I love... Um, I love Bob's question in his book where he asks this. He says, what's the difference between waving at Jesus and following Jesus? There goes Jesus. You know, there he goes. That's my Jesus. Go, Jesus, go. You know, see you when you come back around. You know, there he is. And, and uh, you know, what, what's the difference? What's the difference in just uh, giving an acknowledgement and saying, hey, you know, that's, that's my Jesus, or following him, or getting in and getting behind him and, and taking the invitation seriously. So um, I, 
I went to a, a concert one time at, at this place, and uh, the person who got me the tickets happens to be a really great musician as well, and he had these backstage passes, and when we walked up to the door, the security people at the door said, no, oh, no, you're not coming in here. He says, take everything out of your pocket, shake down, and my friend says, follow me. He just walked right past the guys, you know, and the guys are going, stop, stop, and he goes, follow me. So you just walk right past all the security, right past everybody, right past everything, right into the back. And, uh, and you know, this, there's a difference in just watching somebody go and actually getting in behind them and following them. So we're over in Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. I like a little tradition we're running right now. We've been reading the scripture together. And so could we do that again today and, and read this story? So, uh, and then I'll pray and we'll jump into this. Let's go. As... Father, thank you for your word this morning, and uh, we pray that you would breathe life on it. We pray that you would, uh, Lord, don't let it just be text or letters on a page and ink on paper, but uh, bring it to life for us. I ask you to help me in my weakness today, Lord. Give me the gift of teaching. Help me, and Holy Spirit, you're the very presence of God we ask that you would rule and reign in this room and in our heart and lives today and that you would come teach us, do your good work in us. You're welcome here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this book, Matthew, by the way, I like this because, I mean, anything, any story that's written on the ocean or on a sea or on a lake, on any water, you guys have got to like it too, right? Because that, to me, that's our home. So any time I see anything around water, it immediately gets my attention. And, of course, you know, you can read this scripture Anyway, for they were surfers, <laughs> right? And you were catching waves, but I'm going to teach you to catch people, right? I mean, you know, and I mean, whatever you do, golf, I don't know if golf, I don't know if golfing transcends that. I'm not sure. Uh, they were knitters. I don't know. It could, maybe. But, you know, it, it applies to wherever you are. So I love these stories, and, and, I, and I love when Jesus actually walks into people's lives. Now, something to notice about this story is this is not the first time that these brothers have met Jesus. So sometimes we read these stories and we think, this is amazing. I mean, here's a guy who just walks along the beach and he comes up on these guys fishing. He goes, follow me. And they go, and they walk off, you know. But it's not like that. He had already came in contact with them. They knew a little bit. They didn't know how far this thing was going to go. Weren't sure who he was exactly yet, but they knew something was up. And so, uh, but this was a banner moment. This was one of those moments in time that I think all of us, maybe two or three times in our lives, we, we come upon. And that's when there is a decision to be made that is going to set the trajectory of our life from this point onward. You'll have maybe two of those in your life, maybe three at the maximum. You'll have a moment in time where 
You know that whatever decision you make at this moment is going to change everything. And this was one of those moments for these brothers. This was it. Uh, the book of Matthew is, was the most well-read and uh, most passed around book, uh, acknowledged book in the early church for the first 200 years. This is how they got to know Jesus was through this book. And, uh, you know, this story is centered around the Sea of Galilee. It's not around Jerusalem. So there's a change in locale because there's a change in emphasis right now. We've moved away from a religious center into an area of the Gentiles, into an area of, you could say, darkness. Into the Sea of Galilee in that area, which means Jesus is now expanding out and going out into the areas to try to reach people that are not just for the religious. And so now he's pressing out into the fishermen, and he runs up on two sets of brothers. Now, I've got all brothers now, that's the way I was raised. I know a little bit about the dynamics of brothers. And every time I read these stories, I have to laugh, you know, because uh, I, I think this is, is so true. And there's two kinds of brothers. Isn't that, kind, isn't that interesting? Two sets of brothers and a father uh, with James and John. And, uh, but also, the fishing is different because you have one set of brothers. You know, you have, you have Peter and Andrew who are actually throwing a cast net. How many of you know what a cast net is? You, somebody, yeah, we, we live here in the marshes. That's how we get our bait fish, right? Throw them out, big circle, and you throw it. These cast nets were probably 20, 25 feet in diameter, big ones. And they threw them out, and, you know, you pull in the center, and it pulls up the, the, uh, the bait fish or the fish. And so you have kind of a smaller operation with these two brothers, but then you have James and John and their father, which is a trammel net. Do you know what that is? Like a huge, maybe 100 feet long. Usually it takes two boats to operate this net. So you're talking about a bigger operation with James and John when you're talking about a smaller operation with Peter and Andrew. And, but isn't it interesting that Jesus goes to both? He goes after both. It, it doesn't matter. And uh, one of the things I, I want you guys to notice as we try to learn to read the Bible together is in the fourth chapter of Matthew, this story is bookended by the kingdom of God on both ends. Now, you've heard us here in the vineyard talk about the kingdom of God. It means a lot to us because we believe the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God is continuing to come. It comes every time it takes a part of your life, every time someone comes to Christ, but also when you learn to love your spouse in a deeper way, in a more committed way, the kingdom comes. When you reach out to someone in need, the kingdom comes. We see a picture of what God wants on this earth. It's why we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. However it is in heaven, we want to see it on earth, right? And Jesus gave us a picture of what that's like, and so we follow him. I'm getting ahead of my sermon. Doggone it, let's pray. <laughs> okay, on both ends, there's the kingdom. In Matthew 4, 17, it's, Jesus is preaching, and he goes, Repent, turn from going this way and go that way, for the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing, kingdom of heaven has come near. How has it come near? Because Jesus is here. The kingdom has come in Jesus. He's near. And then we have the story of the brothers. And then in Matthew 4.23, we read, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what? The good news of the kingdom. It's good news. 
and healing to show you what God's will is, to show you how much he cares about people and what it's like when his kingdom and his rule and his reign comes to earth, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And we have this story in the middle. When you read the scripture, kind of take those things, look for them. Look for like common themes. Look for something mentioned before and after and go, this is not a mistake. Why this passage was put together. Consider it. So I've got three things about uh, following Jesus this morning that are in your handout that I want to, that jumped out to me and that I want to pass along to you guys this morning. And the first one is this, okay? Notice it says, as Jesus was walking, come follow me, going out from there. It's all this dynamic part, right? And they left and they followed him. That is, you cannot follow what isn't moving. You can't follow what isn't moving. I mean, we're sitting here now, right? Follow me. We just sit here. Follow me. Now, you're getting ready in just a little bit to get up, and you're getting ready to move. You're going to move out of here. You can't follow what isn't moving. And Jesus could have just walked up and sat down and looked at him. But he didn't. He goes up. He says, follow me. And he turns, and he goes back out into this countryside. It's a dynamic. The kingdom of God is dynamic. It's moving. It's alive. It's active. I think one of the greatest sins that the church has perpetuated on, on ourselves is that it's come to Jesus and then don't do anything. You know, come to Jesus and it's like, what's next? And you read about Jesus and you read the book of Acts and you see that it's dynamic. And you can't follow someone and you can't follow something that isn't dynamic, that isn't going somewhere. And Jesus is going somewhere. Where's he going? To see the kingdom come. To see it come. He went from there and he went and he ministered to people from there. Healing diseases, casting out demons. It was moving. It was dynamic. And when he left, what did he do? He told them to do the same thing. Do the same thing. It's dynamic. John 5, 17 we read, this is Jesus, my father is always at his work, <laughs> love that, to this very day, and I too am working. Now, I know some of us think God's not doing anything. Not true. God's not up to anything. Whoa, that's not true. He's still moving. He's still touching people. He's still healing. He's still inviting you to follow him. Jesus has come along with me because it's the rule and the reign of God is ever growing. It's ever expanding. Your kingdom come. Uh, how many of you that are followers of Jesus have found out that Jesus isn't messing around with this? I mean, I, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, at this a while now. And it's like, to me, it's almost like yesterday. I mean, it's... It's kind of like Jesus is still saying, let's go, Tim, let's go. I'm like, man, it's 47 years, Jesus. He's like, man, what are you talking about? Let's go. Come on. Let's move. Next situation and next. You cannot follow what isn't moving and isn't journeying and isn't going. And this invitation to follow me is about moving. It's about coming along with him and what he's doing right now in this moment. I mean, he's not out just to influence your life. You found that yet? Well, Jesus, you know, he's, you know, it's like 
and I've, I've said this before here, but it's like a surfer buddy of mine I picked up one day to head out to Riceville Beach and you know, I didn't know where he was in his, life, his spiritual life at all. And he just says, yeah, Jesus is my favorite guru. Can I go back in and smoke some, uh, smoke some weed before we go? Because you don't want to be around me if I haven't smoked my weed. And uh, I was like, well, let's talk about what Jesus means to you. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and so we had a great talk because he, you know, he had the wrong conception, the wrong perception. You know, and in and, and, and the perception and the conception is the inception of what we're called to do. It's where we're invited into something wonderful. Jesus is moving continually in, on this earth. The kingdom continues to come. The rule and the reign of God to relationships, to students in schools, to teachers, to professors, to moms, to dads. The single people who are walking their lives out. The kingdom continues to come to our lives in dynamic ways. And he invites us into that. That is the exciting journey of Jesus. It's a sad story to tell people in church. Hey, come get Jesus and everything's cool. No, man, it's come get Jesus. Let's go. And by that, I mean whatever. wherever you are in your life, there is a dynamic presence of the rule and the reign of God. God is moving in there. He's doing things before you, right around you. And he's inviting you into it again and again and again. And your second one is this. You can't follow. Look at this scripture. You can't follow without being called. Or you're just, you're just kind of a hanger on. But look what it says. Jesus says, come follow me. Jesus said, Jesus called over and over and over again. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. It's like, well, I'm considering Jesus. What do you think you're considering Jesus? Because his pull is on you. I mean, you just didn't decide one day like me. I mean, I know you get tired of hearing my story, but, you know, I can't get over it. Been 47 years ago, I still can't get over it. You know, I didn't go to Atlantic Beach, North Carolina to find Jesus. But Jesus was waiting there for me because he called me. He chose me just like he chose you. It's his choice to call you. You are his choice. You are. And the thing is, you were right where you were at your worst is when he called you. And while we were yet sinners, distant, away from God, Christ gave himself for us. You can't follow if no one's called you. You haven't received the call. Let's go. You can't follow. Now, you know... Let me, t- let me say this too. This is a big difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Huge news here, folks. In the Old Testament, if you wanted a rabbi, someone to mentor you, you would study their style, you would study who they were, and you would go, this is who I want to follow. And this is where we get mixed up with Jesus. A lot of people think, well, Jesus is another guru. Like, I'm going to choose which one I want to follow. So I'm going to choose Jesus. He's cool. He's full of love. Look at him. I like him. I'm going to follow him. No, 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 no. That's Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus broke all the rules. Instead of the disciples 
looking for a mentor and looking for a rabbi, the rabbi chooses the disciples. Big change in Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus just changes everything because now instead of us working hard to find a rabbi, a teacher, someone to help us spiritually, someone that we can relate to that can help us, now the teacher, the rabbi, the son of God chooses us. That's exactly what he did with these brothers. He walked right up to where they were doing what they do, where they do it, and said, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you as my disciples. Let's go. Come on, let's go. You can't follow what hasn't chosen you, what hasn't called you. One uh, theologian says it like this, in all our searching, we were being salt. (laughs) In all our searching, we were being salt. I mean, some of you in here this morning, maybe you tried different gurus, you're looking around, you've been all over the place, and all you're searching, you are being sought. God is choosing you. It's his choice. Now, what does it mean to hear the call? Well, you can't even have an interest. You can't even have this sense of pull towards Jesus without him putting that in you. That's his grace and his mercy to drop that into your heart. The fact that you're in a church this morning, the fact that you're going to sit here for a few minutes and listen to me talk about God and talk about Jesus is a sign of the grace of God in your life. It's a sign of the choice of God and the happiness and the joy of God to say, I choose you. Or you would have no thirst and no hunger for it. None. See, I don't think you have to cajole people into this. I don't have to grab people by the arm. And I used to do this. Grab them by the arm and go, yeah, you know, say Jesus. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. You know, put the rear naked choke on them. Jesus, Jesus. You know, it's like, I did that, man. I probably scared more people into the kingdom, you know, than I actually led people into the kingdom, you know. It, it, it was, it was, when I was not, you know, I didn't know a whole lot, but I loved Jesus. And I just wanted everybody I knew to know who I knew. And realizing that it's, it's frustrating if, you know, if a person doesn't feel that call. They don't feel and sense God's, is that you? You sense that, but you don't know how to put words into it. You don't know how to describe it as... Because you're just something you keep hanging around. You keep coming, but you haven't got up from your nets and your boat yet and followed him. But you keep hearing and you keep feeling this nudge and you just haven't done it. That's the call. That's his choosing of you. That's, that's the salvation part, but it goes beyond this. It goes even, I mean, yes, that's the introduction into your life. That is when you make that initial step toward God by responding to his grace, the grace of Christ in your life and the presence of God. The Holy Spirit grabs you and pulls you toward, and you don't understand it all, but you go, yes, just like these brothers didn't understand everything, but there was something pulling them. And they got up and they followed. Well, that's, that's you moving into salvation, believing God has given you enough faith to believe to take the step. So you take the step. Some of you, I hope you take the step this morning. I hope you do it this morning. You respond to it. But it goes even 
beyond that. It goes to life itself. And that's why this is a dynamic thing following Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, it continues on and on and on. It's following Jesus into our community right now with all of the needs. Jesus is out there. It's following Jesus into your families, following Jesus into your businesses, following Jesus into your school, into your relationships. It's following Jesus. Jesus is dynamic in all of it, in all of our lives, not just preachers or people like that. I mean, it's, you know, I had a friend who was a youth leader, and the pastor had him preach at the church, and he said he did miserable. (laughs) He said, you know, like, if, the, if you could flunk a sermon, he said, I absolutely flunked it. And he said, I was feeling so horrible. He said, just, I didn't want to look at the senior pastor. He's just kind of walking around like this. He said, it was after church, and he said, this couple brought a newborn baby up to be prayed for. And my friend said he was trying to slide out. You know, he was kind of trying to hide and get out because he said, I had no faith. None. None. I feel like I was just totally without anything to give anybody. And this couple said, oh, excuse me. And he said, oh, man. And he came back, and the couple said, our child is burning up with a fever. We're going to have to take him to the hospital, but would you pray before we do that? Would you pray? And my friend said, you know, I just went, Jesus, uh, if you can do anything, thank you. And... Um, <laughs> And he said he just thought that it was worse than my sermon right there. <laughs> that, that was worse. I didn't think I could do any worse, but I have done worse now. I've done worse. And he put his head down and he started to walk off. And the couple said, wait, wait a minute. And the fever had gone down right during the prayer. And my friend said, he just went, it is all about you, isn't it? You know, it really is all about you. But who prayed? Who did God use in that moment? Because the rule of God and the reign of God is moving, moving, moving. It's always on the move. It's always out and it's touching people. It's healing people. It's giving love to people. And you know who he does it through? You. It's not, it's salvation. That's our introduction into life with Jesus. And then what, it, what is it? It's every day. Just engaging, that invitation. You know, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, used to have this saying, Every, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. And I think the playing is not in here as much as it is out there. Because that is where the adventure is. Out there where we live and, you know, where we move and we have our neighbors and our friends and our jobs and in school and... Out there is where the dynamic rule and the reign of God is moving through our neighborhoods and moving through our businesses and our families, inviting us to come and be a part of it. That is an invitation. You know, just last week, and we do this thing better together, don't we? I mean, last week kind of proved that as we all gathered together in the big tent. We had a this place was jammed, man. It was awesome. And Jay rapped. I couldn't believe it, you know? <laughs> It's like, man, it's like holding out on us. And thirdly, you know what? You can't follow without leaving. You can't go unless you leave something. 
Sorry. But if you move from here to there, you're walking away from something. And it's interesting that in this story, it says that they left their nets. Now, they went back to fishing later on, didn't they? I mean, even the last, after the resurrection, where do we find Peter? He's fishing, right? That's right. We find Peter at the boat fishing at the beginning. We find Peter fishing in the last of the gospel. Again, fishing. So, and they never, they never uh, were slacking their responsibility to take care of their families and all because Peter's mother-in-law lived with him. And you know what? What did Jesus do? Some of you that read this book, you know what happened? What did he do? He healed her. That's exactly right. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Uh, Peter was still there taking care of family, doing what he had to do. And so, you know, following. But it does mean leaving some things. It means that, you know, that we're going to be dealt with. Because the kingdom is the rule and the reign of God. You know, in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus said he was Lord... Or when the disciples or the early church would say, Jesus is Lord, it meant that what Caesar wasn't. That's what it meant. That's what got him killed a lot of time. And when we say Jesus is Lord, it means nothing or no one else is. That will cost you. Just going to tell you. And the dynamic rule and reign of God is going to press in on you. And it's going to take that ground continuously, not just one time, but again and again and again and again in your life. He does it in our relationships. I know in my marriage, I have watched God sometimes daily. It's like, man, you would think you would have let the kingdom rule in this part of your life, in your mouth when you say something back to your wife, right? You know, and so you say something back, and just about quickly as it does, Jesus goes in, leave it, <laughs> you know, walk off from your nets. Come on, man, walk off from them. Walk off from that boat. Let's go. Walk off from it. It's a continual call to walk away from certain things. Look, if, if the gospel is not rubbing you the wrong way, it's not rubbing you the right way. If it's not rubbing you the wrong way, it's not rubbing you the right way because come, follow me. Leave your nets, leave your boat. Let's go. Now, I can't tell you what that is for you, but I can tell you this. God will, and Jesus will, tell you to come on. Let's go. And you cannot grab up every single thing you have and take it with you. There'll be things that he will say, leave behind, and it will feel uncomfortable, and it will be a challenge, but what he gives you, his presence, to walk with him, to see him work in your life, to work through you to bless others. What he does in your life will overshadow that in huge ways. So, you know, the gospel is, is not, it is the good news because it brings goodness to us and we have to let some things that aren't so good go in order to walk this out daily. Just saying some people don't tell you these things and uh, I just want you to know that, that God will will deal with that my mom one of the stories she told me uh, you know when she was growing up she said there was a guy in the neighborhood who used to sell bibles and she said he would come by the house and 
And they were like, man, we got like 49 Bibles in this house already. You know how people are. And this was a long time ago. And, and she was a teenager. And the guy would start crying and going, you know, this is the only way I make money. And this is God's business. And this is like, you know. And it really put a bad taste in my mom's mouth. So much so it took me decades and decades to ever share Jesus with her. Because of something like that. And, you know, that guy had not learned to walk away from some things. <laughs> But another thing is my mom had not learned to walk away from some things. To let that go, to let that example go and to look for the pure, the wonderful Christ who has come to call her and to love her. And she did. And she did. She did. I uh, was, let me show you how leaving some things behind can bless others. Um, I was in a music store down here years ago, and I was getting ready to go in to, to see one of the guys there and buy some strings, and uh, his car pulls up, and it's, it was a guy I went to high school with. I had seen him in, gosh, probably 15, 20 years, and the guy was, as they say, a piece of work. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he was the star football player. He was... He got all the adulation. He was, you know, he was. And uh, I was the surfer. And um, back in those days, believe me, surfers weren't held in high regards. Not that they are now either, but <laughs> not as, you know, it was a lot different. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, ladies. Uh, but uh, back then, it was a very small group around here. And so we, you know, he used to make fun of me and he'd slam me up against the you know, the lockers, and, and man, I was just, I just had enough of it, so I formed a coup, and uh, <laughs> I formed a coup, and I got about, there was only about probably 15 of us at the school uh, together, and there was the whole football team, but um, I got the, we were over on this side, they were on that side, I got them together, I said, look, we may, we're probably going to get our butts kicked, but you know what, they're going to know we're here, and so we all got all jacked up, and started to run toward each other, and the assistant principal came out and stopped it. And then he took him, this guy, and me into his office, and he brokered a peace settlement. And it worked out. You know, it worked out. We shook hands and, and all of this, and I, I lost. I mean, he was, he was really not a fun guy to be around. I mean, I went to Florida. He was in a group. It's a whole sordid tale. Um, <laughs> but I'm sitting in the parking lot down here, and I, and I see him. And he gets up out of the car, and he comes over to me. He says to him, can I talk to you? I said, man, I hadn't seen you so long. How are you? And he starts crying. So we sit in the car, and he, he says, I've got cancer. I'm dying. He says, and I want to apologize to you for everything I ever did. Jesus has been a part of my life for the last six months. And I want to tell you, I'm sorry for everything I did. All I ever said, the way I treated you, he just went through a whole list and he says, uh, well, you know, I'm good. I'm, I honestly am good. But I need to tell you this. And I thought, now there's a guy who left some things behind. Because he's, knowing he's going to meet someone that's going to be so much better than anything he tried to hold on to before. I, um, if you followed the Facebook uh, whenever the storm was here, I, did, I tried to. We got kicked off like eight times. I don't know how many people hung with me on that. But um, on the way home to the house to get ready for the storm, I stopped by Dunkin' Donuts. I just wanted to get home and get the house ready for the storm. 
get everything in order. And I ran in, and I just wanted a cream-filled donut and a hot turbo. That's all I wanted. I didn't want much in life. I didn't want much. You know, and, and so I just wanted to go, go, go. I rushed in. I, told, I called Karen. I said, I'm, I'm going in. I'll be right there. And I went in, and the minute I pulled up, there's a lady standing outside crying, an employee. And uh, I, when you walk with God for a while, let me tell you something. Here's the adventure. When you are around something like that, you will feel God go. <laughs> and you're like, no, no. And you're like, I just want my cream-filled donut and a hot turbo. God, that's all I want. There's a storm coming. You know that. <laughs> and it's like, leave, leave, leave it, and come this way. So I just kind of smiled at her, zipped in. And uh, she came in and waited on me. And so she, she comes behind the counter, and she looks at me, and she just breaks down crying. I'm sorry I broke down crying. I didn't even know what I was crying about. But, you know, it was like... <laughs> There she is crying. I'm crying. We're both crying. And it's like, and I'm like, what's going on? Right there in Dunkin' Donuts. Anyway, she shared with me the whole story, and, and uh, I got, they did give me a free dozen donuts. It was, <laughs> I'm just admitting it, okay? Just admitting it. I didn't go in there to get free donuts, but the, but the manager came out after it was all over and said, you deserve a dozen donuts. And I was like, <laughs> like okay. But, we're, you know, that moment, you're, I'm telling you, all of us, I have stories like that over 47 years, way before I was ever a pastor, way before. Those stories are out there for you, but we have to leave something to get them. We have to walk away sometimes from what's pulling us this way because God has put something right in front of us. That is the beautiful story of the gospel. But Jesus is dynamic. Following him is dynamic. It has an energy to it. It's not just come to church. It's not just go to church, go home, go back to your life. It's follow Jesus wherever he's going. The kingdom is coming. He's taking land inside of our lives. And he's doing things in us. There's an open invitation to follow him. If you even have any semblance or sense of God, that's his grace in your life. That's his choice to pull you toward him. You are his choice right now. And it will cost you. It'll cost you getting home to get ready for a storm. It'll cost you to walk away from some relationships sometimes. It'll cost you habits. It'll cost you behavior and attitudes. It might cost you money. It might cost you things. But the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God... It's the joy of God because it's called the good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. I pray now, Lord, that you would come and you would minister and speak. I want to ask you one question while you're praying. <clears throat> what is one thing, these post-its that Skip made mention to, what is one thing Jesus is calling you to leave behind for something better? One thing. One thing that God has got his hand on and he says, you cannot take that with, with us where we're headed because I've got something better. What one thing do you need to let go of so that you can grab hold of something better? Father, would you speak to us right now? Come, Lord. One thing. to let go of 
We're going to pray over it. Purpose is so you can grab hold of something better. I'll make you fishers of men. You're a fisherman, Peter, Andrew, James, John. You're good fishermen. If you follow me, you've got to have a whole different group to fish for. And it won't just be in the Sea of Galilee. It'll be all over the countryside. It's going to affect people 2,000 years from now, what I invite you into. It's worth walking away from to get what I've called you to. Thank you, Lord. What is it? Write it on that post-it. And as you leave today, what I want you to do is you can either leave it up here as an altar or you can stick it on those panels on the back wall. Leave it as a prayer and ask the Lord to give you grace to be able to step away from that so that you can step into what God has for you. Maybe it's your life this morning. And God, you're going to respond to his woo, his call this morning. And you can just write on there, life. My life is what I'm giving up this morning. I surrender my life to Christ this morning. I give in to his call. My life. Do it. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.